Today, we have the absolute pleasure of welcoming one of our great industry leaders, one of those CIOs everybody's got to know, as they say. He has truly a great mix of skills and talents and amazing background uh, with a really unique perspective and really likes to approach things in a problem-solving manner, really trying to address some of our industry's toughest challenges. He is definitely a strategic thinker, but he also has great IT skills and talents that really is trying to make a difference in our industry. Uh, one of our longtime Chime members and longtime Chime uh, just workaholics like so many that are out there. It is an absolute pleasure, I'll use the fancy words to start with, to welcome William Hudson, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at John Muir Health in Walnut Creek, California. But for today, just our personal friendship. Bill, welcome to the program. Ross, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Well, obviously, we are still going through some crazy, crazy times, Bill. The pandemic doesn't seem to be letting up as much as it should, and it's just been a pretty tough 18 months for a lot of people. Love to hear how you're doing, families doing during this tough time, and the great, great uh, healthcare heroes at John Muir. Oh, thanks for asking. I appreciate it. Family's doing well. Um, it's kind of a tough mix. I have I have kids in, in college and they've had a completely different experience in the last 18 months. It's been tough. I've got a I've got a son in high school and he's finishing up high school. Unfortunately, things are a little bit more back to normal for his senior year. But um, my 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 mother and father are in Florida, and of course they've been going through a tough end of this as well. So um, have gotten a perspective on kind of how things are going kind of across the entire country. You know, here in California, it's you know, I'm I'm optimistic. Um, we've had a really great partnership with John Muir um, and the county of, of Contra Costa. And that partnership has enabled us to really get the information out to our, our community, help those with vaccination hesitancy, uh, make sure we're reaching out to the community um, and meeting them where they're at and, and distribute vaccination. You know, John Muir, you know, really leaned in. This is one of the things that I'm the most proud of this organization, how fast and how quickly they leaned in to get the vaccination out to as many people in our community as absolutely possible. So um, while I am um, cautiously optimistic about where things are going, I am incredibly proud of the partnerships we've forged over the last 18 months and the progress we've made in, in caring for our community. So um, while it's been challenging, there certainly are some, some really nice bright spots for this. And I hope a lesson learned, I hope lessons that we've learned and we take into our, into a, our new reality, I guess. For those of us that are kind of deep inside the industry, we know who John Muir is, but there are a lot of people that don't. I mean, you think about it, where you're at in California, it is the heavyweights of heavyweights in healthcare. You've got Kaiser yeah. and you've got Stanford and you've got uh, University of California. I mean, you're just surrounded by these, these Sutter giant health systems there. You know, who's John Muir? And kind of tell us just a little bit about your health system. You know, John Muir is a really interesting organization. We're a community health care organization in the East Bay of San Francisco. Um, and what that means is we, we tend to focus on, um, on, our, on, our, on the counties around us. Um, and you start, you, you mentioned there's a, there's a lot of really strong competitors in this market. Kaiser is a strong competitor. Sutter is a strong competitor. Um, you know, and when I came to John Muir over five years ago, I, I talked to Cal Knight and I asked Cal, I said, you know, what is what is John Muir's, what is John Muir going to do that's going to be different? It's going to enable John Muir to continue to survive in this really tough market. And Cal talked about his vision around partnership, how partnerships were going to leverage and provide access to scale um, and provide opportunities for, for John Muir to grow. And I was really excited about it because I think it had the opportunity of having not been tried at that size. And so even though John Muir is a community health organization, 
we partner with Stanford Children's. Um, our our our, our NICU is, is staffed and, and run by, at, at, at John Muir uh, Walnut Creek, is staffed and run by, by Stanford uh, Children's Physicians. We have a strong partnership with UCSF. Um, we've um, entered the market down in Berkeley and, and stood up an urgent care facility down there to, to meet the needs of an expanding market. Um, we, are, we are partnering with UCSF to develop um, a new cancer facility and here in, in Walnut Creek to serve the needs. And so, you know, even though we're a community organization, I think that that access to the scale that partnership has provided us has really provided us a really kind of a unique perspective in terms of how we care for our community and how we focus on the things that we're really, really good at and how we, we leverage our partners to help us um, in those areas where we don't have the scale or capacity to be able to do those kinds of things. Um, it's, been a, it's been an interesting journey. Um, it's not to say that, you know, everything works 100% perfectly. Um, but everybody has good intent. Everybody leans, and um, we do some really remarkable things for the community. I'm very proud of. Wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. Well, you individually have had a, a rather unique career. Actually, you know, I've done a lot of these podcasts. Every single person on these program has a unique career. I think all of us do. None of us have these straight linear paths that we all follow. I'd love to hear a little bit about your career, how you kind of got where you are this, in this position for the last five years. Just a little bit kind of about your path. Um, sure. I, I got recruited to go work for Cerner um, back in, in the late 90s. Cerner was standing up a consulting um, division to help meet the needs of their customers as they were, as they were expanding. And, you know, as, as, I, as I got there, there was a huge need for people to help manage projects and run technical projects. It was a skill set that I had. And so I, I will tell you, I, I really grew up at Cerner. Um, a lot of the, the philosophies, a lot of the mindsets, a lot of the my focus around, you know, getting things done um, is, is really, was really shaped by my time I spent there. And I remember doing one of my reviews with um, Karen Fairchild, who was my director at the time. And she asked me, she goes, where do you want to be in 20 years? What do you want to do? And I'd never really been asked that question. Um, we didn't do a lot of those kinds of things when we were doing reviews, you know, back in the 90s. It was, did you do your job or not? And she asked me kind of a provocative question. And I, uh, I shot my mouth off and I said, on uh, 20 years, I want to be a CIO. And I had no idea what that actually really meant or what it really failed. <laughs> I mean, it just sounded really cool. I'd, I'd met a few CIOs and I thought, gosh, that would be a really neat job. Um, and I kind of put that away. Um, I was able to work with HealthLink after I left Cerner and I got to meet some really neat people. Jim Adams, who helped build up Gartner's healthcare, you know, healthcare practice. Um, just some really neat people that kind of really taught me humility and, and leadership. Um, um, and I thought that was a, that was a really neat thing. And then I had an opportunity to, to double that down after the acquisition by HealthLink um, by IBM to, to work at CTG and really double that down and, and help grow that business um, until I had an opportunity to, to go work at, at Kettering um, a few years later as their CTO and to be on the provider side. So um, I loved it. It was an amazing job, and I loved growing that organization and, and really kind of expanding. And I spent some time at VMware helping to run healthcare strategy. And then, then I, I got jealous. Someone asked me, you know, why did you leave VMware? And I said, well, I'd meet with CIOs and CTOs across the industry. I'd see all the really cool things they were working on. And I thought, man, I'd love to do that myself. And an opportunity to go back in, roll my sleeves up, do the work, work with doctors, work with the community. And, and I took it, and, and I've been here at John Muir now for, for five years. So I, I, I joke about it. 
I've literally have had every seat around the table um, from a consultant to the, to the software vendor to, um, to the provider leader. And um, it provides me a really interesting, I think, perspective when we're, we're working with folks and we're trying to, you know, to drive to get things done. And when we follow our partnership philosophy at John Muir, it's, it provides me a, a unique perspective to make sure that we're, we're partnering and we are good partners. Well, you've got, you've got a lot of responsibilities there in this organization besides just the classical CIO. You, you, you've been tasked with working on transformation there. I'd, I'd love to hear what, you, what that means at your organization because it seems to mean a lot of different things across the industry. And so what does that mean for you? What does that mean for John Muir? What do you focus on? You know, that's interesting. You, you talk about that. You know, we've, we've really focused in the last three years and tried to figure out how we leverage our, our tools and our digital assets to, to help meet the needs of our community. We stood up um, video visits for some of our palliative care community um, over three years ago. And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a learning. We learned a lot about, um, I will candidly tell you, we learned a lot about what not to do. And we learned a lot about what didn't work. Um, but it provided a foundation so that when the pandemic struck, that we were able to shift as many of my colleagues have done. This is, I'm not gonna tell you anything that, frankly, there's not hundreds of stories of, of people leaning in and doing this kinds of things. Um, but we were able to lean in as many folks did and we were able to con and convert, you know, our, our specialty care visits, our primary care visits, urgent care visits and convert those to digital to the point that we were providing almost 90% of our, all of our, our patient visits 18 months ago. Um, that was, we did, I think 13, video visits in March. By June, we had converted 90% of our visits to a year ago last, last year ago last June, we converted 90% of them were, were video visits. Um, we're still running at about a third of all of our, our visits are now are digital. Um, our community loves it. We, we pushed towards um, an integrated an experience with Epic. And and I, and I talk about this, not just because, oh, we did this cool thing. And then we did this video. It it wasn't about the technology at all. What made this successful is how we stood this project up, partnered with operations, partnered with the physicians, and we brought physicians into the, into the leadership structure to make sure that we were getting the right problem solved. And we were listening to them. Um, we made a shift to a whole different televideo uh, program in the middle of all this and everything we talked about, we made a shift on technology platforms because of the, the input on the physicians that you know, we were not on a, a platform that was physician and patient friendly. And you know, we also listened to the, the challenges they were having. And again, not a technical challenge, but it's, it's how to, how do I do the video? How do I conduct the video visit? And we stood up uh, a video visit help desk over the course of about six weeks. So the physicians could get instant over the shoulder help for the video visits. And as we looked into that, we realized that a lot of the challenges we're having with video visits weren't with the physicians, it was with our patients. So we looked at that and go, why aren't we talking to our patients? And so our help desk then bifurcated. We started reaching out to our patients directly if we saw that they'd never had a video visit before. And we reached out to them to, to prepare them, to walk them through, hey, are you set up? Is the technology set up? So we talk about digital transformation. It's not about putting a new widget out or a new piece of software. It's about making sure that the entire support structure, the entire ecosystem, the physicians, you know, do we know we have a problem we're going to solve? We've identified it. Can we solve it? 
What are the elements around it? Do I bring the physicians along? How do I make sure that they're ready to support this? Is the office staff ready to support this? Do they know what this means for them? Do they know what their role is in this is. And you know, the other piece of this is, and I think it so often gets forgotten, is it's our patients. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we we're sticking the stuff out there and we're like hoping it's just going to work. And we have to assume that it's going to work, but that's not good enough. So, you know, that last mile of making sure we bring our community along, making sure we educate our community and um, we figure out what's working, what's not, and uh, we tune in and adjust. We're now on sprint 13 of our, our televideo visits, and we continue to incorporate that feedback from the community and from our physicians. One of the things we identified is, you know, and you mentioned earlier, we're in a very diverse community here in the East Bay of San Francisco. Um, there are a lot of languages spoken here that aren't English. And so we integrated translator services into our, our video visits to allow um, our community that doesn't speak English first to be able to have a, a video visit in their, in their native language and make sure their needs are being met. Those are the kinds of things that, you know, I don't, I, if you look at from a pure technology standpoint, maybe you focus on a widget or you focus on a feature. I think focusing on the process is what digital transformation is really about. It's combining those two things. It's the people piece of this, as well as the digital piece of this and making sure at the end of the day, you're getting a better outcome. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's interesting. Now, again, I mean, obviously you've got a, such a great background. I, I'd love to hear a little bit because occasionally it gets a bad knock when, when somebody leaves from a CIO role and goes over to, to what we, you know, we don't like using the word, but we'll use it to the vendor community. Oh, they talk about dark side and all that kind of stuff. But what we found is it really rounds a person out. Tell us a little bit, you know, you've worked on both sides, actually kind of balanced in your career. What does that bring to the table as a leader, as you approach your organization, as you approach partners that you're working with? You know, what kind of benefit does this really bring to you as a leader and to the organization? Well, I think I think the benefit it brings is, I mean, if you're in sales, um, if you're on the on the consulting side, you know, you're you're trying to you're you're, you're focused on trying to solve a problem, a very specific problem. Um, you're used to listening and, and understanding um, without, without rushing to judgment or assuming that you know what the answer is going to be. Um, on the same token, that's kind of a consulting approach. When you come to work on the vendor side, that's the same kind of thing. Just don't assume that, that your tool, your solution is going to be the only thing that's going to solve the problem. I mean, be open to perspective. Um, you know, from my point of view, I, I think it's enabled me across my career to have conversations. So, you know, when I've been on, when I've worked on, when I worked at VMware, it wasn't that I was going around selling VMware tools and solutions. It was, I was going around helping our sales teams understand the challenges that provider healthcare has, and then helping the provider healthcare understand how the, the tool, not, and not a tool conversation, but a solution conversation and have a conversation about the outcome, how that tool or solution could drive an outcome that would benefit the healthcare organization. And it's about bridging that. And I think a lot of times we, we talk past each other, um, no, no ill intent, you know, the eager salesperson trying to sell their, their tool um, and the, the healthcare executive that's really focused on this one aspect of this problem they have and maybe haven't understood the broader challenges or broader opportunities. And I think that the thing I love most about working with VMware as an example is the ability to have those conversations with CIOs and CTOs across the entire, entire healthcare ecosystem and to be able to cross-pollinate those ideas. So when I came to John Muir, it wasn't like it came with one perspective. I felt like I'd, I'd had a master's class, if you will, in working with CIOs and CTOs, and I was able to take a bit from this person or a bit from this person or 
know that this thing over here didn't work, didn't work, and why it didn't work, and be able to put things together here at John Muir in a, in a different and interesting way. Um, and I think that's been the value for me, but I think it's also been the value that I've been able to to extend to others as I've worked with them over the years is just helping to bridge that, helping to bridge that gap and making sure that folks are having aligned conversations. And so you've got this unique background. You've got this period of time you were in VMware and I was involved as a CIO in those early years of VMware as well. And, and they really are, we're an interesting company when they first started talking to us about data center virtualization and cloud and all this stuff that we kind of went, what, what does all this mean? We didn't even understand what some of the terms were at the time. But it was interesting now, it probably shapes a lot how you approach your role as CIO and whether you need to host things. And how sure. does that really drive how you manage technology in your organization? You know, when I went to, uh, like when I joined John Muir five years ago, uh, one of the, the first things I said to my team is that I wanted the data center to fit in my office in five years. And it wasn't that, you know, I was like, oh, we're gonna get rid of things, we get rid of things. It was about developing a specific approach and making making a decision about is this something that really is ready for us to move to a to a cloud workload? Is this something that, that we really feel like we have to keep um, on site? And it it forced us a different way of looking at things. I mean, the answer had always been, oh, we're going to do it here, we're going to do it there. Um, the future for all of us is 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 going to be multi cloud, some kind of combination of on prem and off prem, and we're going to have to learn to be okay with that um, for a lot of reasons. You know, we, when we went and started looking at a, at a, at an ERP solution, we looked uh, around and one of the things that, that I knew that we wanted to do was focus on a, on a cloud first model, um, which led us ultimately to partnering with the Workday. And it's been an amazing, strong partnership. And it's been a different way of working with, um, a tool and a system and a really strong partner that's really helped us to mature our financial processes. But, you know, we, we took a lot of stuff off the floor and people had to be uh, comfortable with that. The financials are now, are, are now sitting over here with Workday. And, you know, we have to understand what that means from a security standpoint, um, and an access standpoint. And, and, and I think there were, you need a, a little bit of organizational maturity in terms of how you how you how you approach that and to make sure that you know the organization has has a plan it's just not willy-nilly things just don't go everywhere i mean i'm not suggesting that you start off and, and suit everything everywhere um but i am suggesting when i started we, we had a plan and we scaled it up as we went along and we had these other elements and we made sure that our security was in place and made sure that backups were in place you know access was in place how we extended all that and we built upon it to the point now we are we are now multi-cloud um, we have, you know, several partners that we work with to provide cloud services, and you know, we we take a thoughtful approach. That doesn't mean that we we take everything off the floor, and but it does mean that we when we think about it, we we have a hard conversation and say what's best for the organization, how do we best manage the security, and we've gotten out of the whole mindset of I have to put everything in my hand, I have to hold it, and if I can't cut my hands around it or wrap my arms around it, then then I don't control it, and we've gotten past that notion and really enabled the organization, I think, to grow and to access um, scale um, beyond our capabilities. Again, we're a community healthcare organization. If I can extend my capabilities by leveraging a strong partner as a cloud partner that can provide services beyond what I can do, then the four walls of my organization, I'd be silly not to consider it. So, so it's interesting because we've been talking about this probably for maybe as much as 10 years. Let's just be 
conservatives in, say, five years. The CIOs need to get out of the tech business. Do you think that eventually we'll get to the point where there, that it, it almost is if we don't host anything, everything's just a service we consume and we're more concerned about the business versus the technology? I think the, the, you know, I think you've talked about the evolution. You talked a lot about the evolution of, you know, what's CIO 2.0 and what's, what's next, right? What's the evolution of the CIO role? And, you know, this, the role of a CIO, and you know this better than anybody, Russ, is, is, not, a, is not being a technologist. The role of the CIO is to, to, to set the direction for the organization. Um, you've talked about that a lot, um, building the culture of the organization, building the focus and giving people the framework. Um, I think we have to give our folks and empower our folks, um, you know, say, hey, our, guy, our, our guardrails are now a little bit farther out. We're willing to consider these things and we want you to make sure you've considered them. And so when you bring me something and say, hey, we want to host this thing here or we want to host it internally, there better be an, an A thought is like, oh, we looked at this, this is option A and option B is if we do it over here and this is the pros and cons and we're going to look at things in kind of the SBAR format to, to make a real good value judgment about where things kind of belong and how we're managing the technology. And we're honest with ourselves about, about um, what our capabilities and our skills are. Um, I think, you know, increasingly, you know, the CIO's job is to clear, clear hurdles for folks, clear the way for folks, um, you know, focus on building the culture and set in the direction, even the team guardrails that they can work with under. Um, I try not to get involved in the, the, the day-to-day, hey, we're going to move this bit of thing over here. If it fits within the policy, it fits within our framework, and and it it passes the scratch sniff test in terms of the the model we put together, then then we'll go down that path, and we'll manage it, and we'll audit it, and we'll keep track and make sure that we're doing the right things for our organization, and the community, and we'll make changes if we if we think we have to. Um, but that's kind of the how we've been managing and how we kind of been structured. Does that make sense? It does, and we have time for a few more quick questions here. Sure. So let's. Uh, and, and before we, uh, we'll, we'll kind of tease here, before you head off to where you're heading, and we'll let that be your kind of final word for today. But for right now, we're going to talk about, you know, as, as we look at the healthcare ecosystem, transformation, digitalization, moving the cloud, all these different buzzwords, AI, that kind of stuff. What do you think healthcare is going to look like in the next three to five years? I mean, how radically will it change? I think in, incredibly radically. I think, I think we have, we've, we've turned a corner. When, when we started pushing vaccinations out, we had a predominantly digital first vaccination model. And you know, a lot of folks in the organization were, were hesitant. And they were hesitant because, well, I mean, we're gonna push vaccination notices out digitally to people in our community that are 75 and older. And I said, trust us, this is going to work. And we put a process in place for digital equity to make sure that people that didn't have access to digital were still gonna be able to get access to appointments. But we filled, we filled uh, 25,000, let me make sure I get the number right. No, I'm sorry. We, entered, we sent 25,000 invitations. We filled 6,000 appointments, uh, first three weeks of appointments scheduled. We filled those in less than 24 hours digitally. We filled the next 2,000 24 hours later. And we continued to reach out by using our tools and our systems and analytics and reached out and the part of their physicians to reach out to our, our community that didn't have digital access, access but still were at higher, in high-risk groups. But we had 8,075 and older. We had one person that was 109 years old, 
that signed up, I'm sorry, 102 years old, 100, sorry, 102 years old, that signed up for um, appointment digitally. Now, someone probably helped her, maybe, maybe not, but the idea that our seniors cannot interface and access technology is, is about busted. There's a, there's a high degree of technical literacy out there and there's a high desire for our patients and a high desire for a community and a high desire for our clinicians to be able to provide care virtually. There's a number of things that we do, you know, post-surgical follow-ups that are really good opportunities for us to provide digital care for our patients. Why are we gonna force someone that just had a surgery that's feeling fine, that doesn't have any, um, any complications, why are we gonna force them to come into the, to the office when a video visit can meet, meet their needs? And I think the idea of us providing healthcare the same way we've always done it, bricks and mortar, you come to me, we're physician-centric, um, are over. It's going to be patient-centric. And we're gonna meet our patients where they are. And that's not just a location, that's where they are in their life, all right? That's where they are in their health journey. It's where they are physically. And we're gonna combine that with where our physicians are at as well, all right? We're not gonna leave our physicians behind in this, but we're gonna create a model where our physicians can interact with their patients seamlessly. And we're gonna have support services wrapped around this. So it's not just the physician has to feel like they got to answer every question. We feel we're gonna go the right direction. We're gonna get you know video visits going the right direction. We're gonna get you guys to get your test results the right way. But we're gonna pull all of this together and I think the opportunity for us to really build patient-centric healthcare is, is there. And if we walk away from this pandemic, not having learned that lesson and go back to what we've always done, we're gonna be, we're gonna be a generation behind and it'll be another generation's you know, burden to, to, to dig us out of this. This is our opportunity, this is our time, this is what we need to do. Um, and it's for the, good of our, for the good of healthcare, the good of our community, um, and, you know, and we, we haven't talked about cost, but literally at the end of the day, helping us to, you know, the right size and right cost healthcare. Again, with a little bit of time we have left here. So with that being said, we've got to do that. What should we be focusing on in the short term? Say the next 12 months, what should we focus on? What should we as Chime members focus on to really drive that change and make it stick? You need to sit down with your team and that's not just IT team. That is with that is with operations, that is with your physician leadership team, that is with executive leadership team, and sit down and even in the community. We have, a, we have a community board that we, we bounce ideas off of. But to sit down with each of those groups and talk about what worked, what did you do in the last two years and what, what worked, what resonated, you know, what, what made a difference and what didn't. And, and to figure out how you're going to incorporate those things into, your, into the, new, the new now. How are you going to incorporate those things into your reality? How are you going to make sure those things now become operationalized? And that means all the right structures behind them, not this one-off stuff because we've had to do it to stand it up, but what are the right support structures in place to make sure stuff this, this works? What's the right educational um, opportunities and right education that you provide to the community to make sure that they can continue to come along with us? How do I provide access in an equitable way for those folks in our community that aren't able to engage us digitally? I mean, it's really cool to have this conversation and talk about all the great things that work. Now let's talk about the things that didn't work. Let's talk about the patients that, uh, and the community members that we're afraid of we're leaving behind. How do you leverage analytics? How do you leverage um, Slicer, Dicer, and Epic to, to make sure that your, your patients from your sickest, you know, your, your zip codes where there was a, the more of your, uh, of your inpatient meds for COVID, your, some of your sickest patients, 
how do you make sure you're using data analytics to make sure that you're able to close the loop and make sure those things are getting taken care of? And then, then operationalizing all of that. So it becomes not a one-off thing that you did this one time, but it becomes something that someone in your organization is responsible for, making sure it moves forward and it gets supported. Otherwise, it'll die. If it's someone's, if it's someone's part-time job, if it's someone's hobby, it'll go off and die and day-to-day momentum will erase all of that. It has to be important. You have to take old stuff off of people's calendars, take old stuff off of people's responsibility list, put this new stuff on it, make it their day job, um, and we'll we'll husband the gains that we've, that we've made. Otherwise, we won't. Well, with that being said, uh, one last word I know as we talk about what should we focus on, you need to focus on something right now. Where are you heading right as we speak? Life's kind of funny. Um, I started. Um, I, I applied for a. I applied for the the Pepperdine um, MBA program uh, prior to the uh, the pandemic, and um, pandemic changed everything. And I kept pushing things off, pushing things off, and we finally started. So, in addition to doing everything else we've been doing, helping with the organization and helping the, the community, um, I've also been working on my MBA for the last for the last year. And um, they've put off the um, the international study portion of the trip, and I'm actually catching a plane in a couple hours. Um, to go study with um, with the team in uh, in Greece for a, a week, um, meeting with a number of members of, of the community, uh, some businesses, meeting with some parliament members. I think we're meeting with the prime minister um, of Greece, and so super excited about the opportunity to, and even some folks in, on the healthcare side. Hope super excited to to learn about what other folks are doing in other areas and see if there's a way for us to incorporate that back into into our lives here in the U.S. Well, Bill, I don't want to keep you from your car to the airport and from the airport to where you're going. Safe travels, my friend. Thank you so much for all you're doing for healthcare. Thanks for being on this program and uh, continue to do the great work you're doing out there. Russ, um, thank you for your advocacy. You've done you've done an amazing job um, in helping to drive you know, chime and and focus. One of the things that doesn't get enough attention. You know, we were a month into this pandemic. And you you focused and pushed this organ, pushed Chime and pushed all the Chime membership, and into looking at the and the, the, the tele, setting up a telehealth uh, working group um, to kind of help look at this. And so you know it's not like you've let grass grow under your feet either. You've done a fantastic job, and uh, thank you for everything you've done for the community. Continue to do. Well, I appreciate that. We'd like to thank you, our listeners, for listening to this episode of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast. Our special sponsor for this program, LK, one of those wonderful foundation firms. As always, we greatly appreciate your support. You can find this and all of our podcasts on chimecentral.org forward slash media, Spotify or Apple or any of the other streaming medias out there. Please, for now, stay vigilant, safe during these difficult times. If you haven't, please consider getting your vaccine. It's not just for you, but for the people around you you care and love. Take care, be safe, and God bless.